0: There are two scriptures today. The first is from Genesis, chapter 1, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. The second verse is from Matthew, chapter 9. Verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. May God add a blessing to his word. You may be seated.
1: Every one of us. When this devastating earthquake occurred, it has brought much to our minds, our hearts and we find that we know more people than we knew before. We know people that are connected or directly there. And so in our scripture today, we talked about how each person was made in the very image of God. Well, what does that mean? How do I get my arms around the idea that we are made in the image of God, created that way? This is Sanctity of Life Month. And it's so appropriate that we focus on the Haiti disaster, but be reminded that Martin Luther King Day is tomorrow. Sanctity of life. The uh, born and the unborn, sanctity of life. At the end of the month, we're going to have a guest come to our service who works and deals with human trafficking sanctity of life. And today, we're going to focus on the sanctity of life for the people of Haiti. So as we think about it, we realize that every one of us is precious to God, every created being in the image of God. Now, in ancient times, the idea of image or some kind of a statue or image or or idol uh, was supposed to contain the essence of the God that they, are, that they represented. So if you looked at a stone idol of some sort or, or a statue, in essence they believed there was something about that, the personality or the essence of that God that's represented inside that, inside that statue. Well, when God made us, he made us in the essence of himself. We are not the same as God. We are not little gods. But God's work uh, was put into us and his compassion and his attributes into every creature to be developed, to be encouraged, to be made whole. God's work was to be accomplished through his creation, that is, you and I. God made you and made me to accomplish his work on this earth. Well, he sure made us different, didn't he? I mean, look around. Here we are, a whole different complexity of people. And in the midst of that, he has given us tools. He made us with tools. He provided us, humankind, with the tools to do his will, to reflect him, to to be him on earth. That's a tool that includes consciousness, self-awareness, spiritual discernment, and compassion. That's a gift of God. He created us to be that way. We are stewards of God's attributes. We are his love in action. There's a book called Mother Teresa, A Simple Path. In the introductory paragraph, she is quoted, and she says this. I can tell you about my path, said Mother Teresa, but I'm only a little wire. (laughs) God is the power. Talk to others, the sisters and the brothers and the people who work with them. Some are not Christians, talk to them. You will know what it is when you see it. It is very beautiful. Hmm. So what does he require of us? And what are his clear instructions for us to use these tools to fulfill his will? Are you a wire connected to the power? Are we the conduit by which God chooses to use in this world to deal with the question of suffering and the question of pain and the question of loneliness and isolation? Micah chapter 6, verse 8, a familiar passage, says it this way He has shown you, O man, O woman, O child, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. You know what the greatest insult is? The greatest insult is not simply what we sometimes do as avoidance, uh, even meanness. The greatest insult is essentially apathy not taking any interest in anything or anybody, apathy. Not bothering to do anything about it, apathy. It's a lack of concern and compassion, and and it's a desensitizing uh, attitude towards other people, and obviously we're not tools of God. We're not wired to the power if we live in apathy. Sometimes it's hardening of the heart. George Bernard Shaw put it this way, he said, the worst sin towards our fellow creatures is not to hate them, but to be indifferent to them. That's the essence of inhumanity. Helen Keller, one of the most amazing human beings God ever created, and he truly created her the way he did. And yet she penned these words, science may not have found a cure for most evils, but it, is, it has found no remedy for the worst of them all, apathy, apathy of human beings. This has a great deal with uh, how we look at our worldview. Uh, Francis Schaeffer wrote, These words about what is a worldview. A worldview is the basic way an individual looks at life, the grid through which he sees the world. What's the grid that you see the world through? Well, let's take a look at how Jesus sees the world. Let's see how he addresses the question of apathy and indifference and uninvolvement. Let's see what he says. Now, if you go back to the idea of Genesis, that we're all made in the image of God and that every human being is created in that very image, that every person on earth has some of the characteristics of God. I'm not suggesting that every human being is without the need of a savior. We all are but I am convinced that some of the characteristics of God are embedded in each one, whether they are a Christian, a believer, or not. There is something embedded in every human being. Some amount of goodness is given to all. And the Christian message is that when we give our lives to Christ in that redemptive power, that that goodness is amplified, and then we become a new creature or a new creation in Christ, and the old things go away, and the new has come. There is no place for apathy to the Christian believer. It's an antithesis. Dag Hammarskjöld the former General Secretary General of the United Nations way back in 1953 until 1961. He wrote something, and it's profound, and it's, it's a bit scholarly, but oh my goodness, does it hit the question today. So I'm going to read it slowly. And track with me. He said this, wonderful Christian man, one of the greatest statesmen the world has ever known. He said, at every moment, you choose yourself. But do you choose yourself? Body and soul contain a thousand possibilities out of which you can build many eyes. But in only one of them is there a congruence of the elector and the elected. Only in one of them is there that connection. Only one which you will never find until you have excluded all those superficial and fleeting possibilities of being and doing with which you toy out of curiosity or wonder or greed and which hinder you from casting anchor in the experience of the mystery of life and the consciousness of the talent entrusted to you, which is your I. Jesus gives us a model of showing us how to live in the mystery of life. And the consciousness of the talent entrusted to each of us, the new I. So let me read that Matthew passage that Marilyn read in the message Hear these words. Then Jesus made a circuit of all the towns and the villages. He taught in their meeting places, reported kingdom news, and healed their bodies, healed their bruises, and hurt lives. When he looked out over the crowds, his heart broke, so confused. And aimless they were, like sheep with no shepherd. What a huge harvest, he said. How few workers on your knees. Pray for harvest hands. What a model. Pray for harvest hands. So let me kind of just give you three points that I think come out of that passage that apply to us today, and you can see where we're going, because we're going to respond. We're not going to be apathetic. None of us are. First thing I think Jesus said is that he saw the crowd. He opened his eyes, and he saw the people around him, and he saw what was evident. How often is it that we're blind to the people around us? (laughs) So often, it's off to the next whatever, and we miss the opportunity to touch, see, feel, smell, give a greeting. My favorite thing is to watch a child. Never miss the opportunity to look into a child's face. You'll find hope there. You may not find it in the adults surrounding you so much, You may not find it in the news or in the events of the day, but you'll find it in a child. Hmm, How often do we miss the hope? Jesus had eyes for the crowd. He saw who was there. He didn't walk the other way. He didn't cross the street to avoid someone. He didn't pretend that they weren't there. He was not an isolationist. It wasn't an option. He was aware of the world's needs because he paid attention to those around him. There was no apathy in Jesus, none at all. Let's look at another clip. And when we see this, I just want you to see to attach. You're the wire. Attach to the power. And then we will find a way to use our hands for the harvest. Watch
2: this. Hits any nation, it takes time for the full devastating picture to emerge. When it hit Haiti, where mobile networks and radio had been disabled, People were forced to turn to the internet to tell the rest of the world of their plight. Disseminating information quickly was vital. Social networking sites like Twitter and Facebook would become the main window to the aftermath of a natural disaster. In the capital, Port-au-Prince, Ram reassures a friend he's freaked out, but OK. Communication will last only as long as his batteries do. Haitian-born music producer Wycliffe Jean tweets that he's en route to Haiti, where he launched a foundation for children after the hurricane of 2004. And so desperate are Haitians around the world for news of loved ones, radio reporter Carol Pedra pleads with Facebook to raise the limit of the number of friends allowed to follow him. But while large parts of the country are without power, Carol's generator allows him to communicate online via Skype. There's a lot of people who need really help. We need waters, we need uh, uh, medication and everything. But the, the, the response of the government or any kind of help like this is really, really, really needed. But we, we, we can't find it. And as he spoke to Sky News, there was another aftershock. Now, now there's an aftershock right now, where I'm talking to you. You see, it's shaking. Footage is also being uploaded to the Internet by those on the ground through necessity, like the Global Orphan Project. The irony is, due to the Internet, we may know more than the Haitians themselves about just how bad their situation is, but at least help from the outside world will now come as fast as possible. Paul Harrison, Sky News.
1: Jesus calls us out of our comfort zone to engage in the world community. The world is flat. No longer can we isolate ourselves, nor can we be separate from the rest of the world. Sixty percent of the people of India have cell phones, but only 20% have refrigerators. Communication, conversation, connection. Jesus saw the world. He saw the crowd, and now we do too. And he calls us out of any comfort zone we have. Secondly, he felt compassion. He lowered his guard. He became emotionally vulnerable. Jesus did not go to a counseling class and learn that you're not to have transference in counseling. He didn't learn how to keep a distance from those that you worked with and and to guard your heart that you might be overly laden with their emotional struggles or physical needs. He didn't take that course. He had no master's degree in family therapy. <laughs> he broke the rules. He gave himself to those around him. The Greek word for compassion tells us some things. It's a, it's a strange word, and it really means Bowels or intestines. So let me read you what Karl Barth, the great German theologian, said about Jesus' compassion and, and what that means. He said it this way. He said, the term, referring to compassion, the term obviously defines adequate translation. What it means is that the suffering and sin of abandonment and peril of those men not merely went to the heart of Jesus, but right to his heart, into himself, so that their whole plight was not his own, and as such he saw and suffered in it for more keenly than they did. It means that he took their misery upon himself, taking it away from them and making it his own. What a life of compassion. (laughs) It's a verb. It requires action. It requires hands. It requires something on our part that is meaningful. It's more than a feeling or a moment. It's more than a passing crisis of world uh, attention. It's a life-changing event It's a gut-wrenching feeling in which we empathetically identify with the brokenness of another person. It's more than a moment. So Jesus showed us what compassion was. Right to the very center of who he was, into his intestines, into his bowels, into his very nature, he took that on, and he does that for you and me. Isn't that amazing? Third thing that I think comes out of that passage, Jesus taught in the synagogues. He preached the good news of the kingdom. He healed the diseases of those that were around him and their sicknesses. And there was no human condition that he did not respond to with compassion. Today, open your heart. Ask Jesus to put a new compassion into your soul. Ask him to put a sustaining compassion. Try to see these clips through a Christian worldview, that is, through the eyes of Jesus. Let the image of God be reflected in what you see. For God is calling every one of us to take action today. The question is not so much whether enough material, dollars, or help gets to Haiti. Very important. But that's not the real question. Because there will always be these crises worldwide and even in our own communities. The real question is, how can I be a child of God and not respond? How can it be that something like this could happen and I cannot be, would not be a part of the healing hand,
2: the wire that
1: connects to the power, a source of something that comes from me that is very deep and personal and given to another that I've never met? We were made in the image of God. And the image of God would require a response a response from every one of us to these kinds of needs as well as others. So I must respond. I have no choice. I am made in the image of God, and thus a response is not an option. So what I want us to do is one third clip, and there's no sound. And I want you to reflect. Upon your compassion. And then we're going to go to a time of prayer. And I'm going to lead us in a whole series of prayer requests and specifics that are centered around Haiti. So, prayerfully reflect again. Watch this.
2: One uh, kid is, he lost
1: everything, so he's gone. Serendipities occur from time to time, and there's a young lady in our congregation this morning. Her name is Ruth. She is uh, from the the Swanson's relationships. And her grandfather and grandmother, Ruth, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Hess and Lucy uh, Hudson are in Haiti now and have not been heard. There are missionaries there. Don't know. And Ruth is here, and I've asked her to come. She's going to light the candle, asking for their protection and their care. And this will lead us then into our time of prayer. I'm going to ask you to stand together in preparation for this, and then we're going to have prayer. And I'm just going to lead us as we pray together. And let us reflect together. Shall we stand? Let's just set our hearts, those of you that would like to come and just kneel at the front of the church during this time and be reflecting on our own response, remain where you are, but I received a list of critical needs. Jesus would take the time to embrace every one of them, wouldn't he? And that's what we'll do this morning. So come and kneel or stay where you are, but... This is a time when our prayer and our focus is on others. And through that, may we find ourselves, the true I that connects with the God of our creation and the love of Jesus. Father, we come to you today in a different way. We have so many things that we are thankful for, but today our hearts really are open and and hurting for others. We have tried to embrace the pain and suffering of our neighbors and friends and brothers and sisters in Haiti. We thank you for the incredible news of some that have been found and they're okay and yet we're aware that there's so many yet to be accounted for and so Lord we we don't understand how it works but we know that when we pray and when we pray together in a corporate way that there is a response from heaven itself and there is an action taken on your part somehow in response to how we pray to you with open and and humble spirits so we plead with you today lord to take these prayers of this congregation in Covina, california and people all over the world and hear them and somehow impose yourself in the midst of chaos pain, suffering, violence, pain, death, grief, lostness, loneliness, devastation, and enter your hope into all of that hopelessness. Very specifically, we would make our petition. We would ask, and Lord... uh, I need to tell you, we really are praying, and we expect something to happen. And because of that, we're going to keep track of it. And every time we find out that you answered one or any of the prayers of the people of the world, of the people of God, then we will rejoice. And we will thank you, and we will praise you, and we will bow our knees, raise our hands and rejoice. Not because you have taken all suffering out of the world or pain and suffering, but specifically you have interjected yourself in these particular ways. So, thank you for letting us pray specifically. We pray for the safety of two members from the Sacramento Arcadia Church Dave Odgers who's with FEMA and Kevin Snyder who's with the Sacramento Search and Rescue and all those that we know that have gone are LA County Fire and Rescue, Orange County San Bernardino County, the different counties represented here be with them Lord thank you for the 13 specialty groups the canine units that are there now then lord we pray for carl eastlack and dave erickson from hope international we ask the lord that as they try to discover what's going on there with the orphanages with their workers, we do pray for that one member of their team that is yet to be accounted for and ask the Lord that a miracle would occur, that their life would be saved. Lord, we pray for the 150 children that Hope for Children represents that are still missing. Thank you for the 250 they found that are alive and okay. Pray for all the children of Haiti, especially those that have lost their mommy and their daddy. Can't imagine. Somehow fill those little children's hearts with your love. May someone. Embrace them in the name of Jesus and bring comfort to their very soul. Maybe it's us. Pray for the college teams that were already there and the Wesleyan workers and the world workers from all the different churches in the world that that are there. Pray for those that are still trapped and underneath the buildings and the cement and the devastation pray for the vulnerable ones that are living on the street now whose homes and places have been taken we pray lord that you protect them from the violence that is starting to occur that those that would take advantage of the devastation that their heart would be convicted and they would recognize that this is wrong and that the heaviness of conviction would change the course of events in their lives. It would turn from evil to good. Pray for all of those who are now working 24 hours a day, digging and helping and airlifting Medically practicing all that they know to save lives. We pray, Lord, for communication so we can know better how to pray and how to give. We pray for 106 pastors of Western churches and then a thousand more of Christian churches pray for those pastors as they lead their people and bury their dead and bring peace read the scriptures and bring hope again to the hopeless and then Lord Forgive us for the times we've been apathetic. Forgive us for the detachment from time to time to the world and those around us, for crossing the street, for missing an opportunity to help another. Forgive us. And may through this world of end, You soften our hearts. You connect the wire to your power. And you remind us that we are new creatures in Jesus. We thank you for that. We ask your forgiveness. And we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to change us. We offer ourselves fresh, new, in a different way, because we want to live in the image.